Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am your co-host, Jenny Scott, here with my co-host, Dan, the man, Duran. How are you today, Dan? I am wonderful. I have to say, I, I keep playing back, hearing my high school coach in football when we were doing drills. And he'd say, happy feet, happy feet, happy feet. That was part of this whole speech he would give. And it was always happy feet. Uh, and and, and, and they, for some reason, it won't leave my mind because that's what we're talking about today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Happy it, feet. I feel like happy feet might be universal in sports because that's what I call, I play volleyball and I'm a middle blocker. And after the ball is passed, instead of moving, you have to stand in place and you have to anticipate which way the ball is going to go. And I call it happy feet. And we dance well, in place. <laughs> what, what, what coach used to say is happy feet, bright lights, movie stars, and money from home. Very <laughs> Life is good. That's a lot. <laughs> I love it. But you are right, Dan. We are talking about feet today. And I will say, guys, life sucks when your teeth hurt and when your feet hurt. Um, but we have with us a guest who is going to help your feet feel better, which in general makes your body feel better. And I'm so excited for her to break down how this works. We have Dr. Emily Splickle with us today. Um, hi, doctor. How are you? Doing amazing. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Can we call you Doc? Can we call you Emily? What do you prefer? Yeah, you can Dr. E, Emily. Yeah, you can weave it, weave it all in there. <laughs> I, like, I like Dr. E. We're going to stick with Dr. Okay. E. <laughs> awesome. Well, you have a ton of credentials and you are super, super knowledgeable in barefoot technology and barefoot science. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. How did you get started in this industry and how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. So I've actually been in the fitness industry for over 20 years. And before that, you were talking a little bit about your sports. I was a competitive gymnast. So that's my background into fitness and movement. It's a barefoot sport. So maybe that kind of led me into this barefoot path. Um, but outside of fitness, I'm a functional podiatrist. Uh, so I practice, I do see patients still virtually and in person outside of my other business endeavors. Uh, and I am the founder of EBFA Global, which is an, an education company based around barefoot science, foot function, foot to core. So I really emphasize how integrated our feet are in movement, power, force, assessment. So it's a really powerful access point into the body and into the nervous system. That's awesome. And so true. Any, like I said, when your teeth hurt and your feet hurt, life is weird. Um, and so anybody who's ever hurt their toe or injured their foot or had surgery, I was telling Dan before we got on here, I've had three foot surgeries before. So I always thought I was told don't go barefoot and don't wear heels. Yeah, none of those have ever happened for me. Like I've continued to go barefoot. I wear sandals on occasion and I sometimes wear heels. And I actually got my first three pair now of barefoot shoes within the last six months. And I am obsessed, obsessed. Yeah. Like it's amazing how good your feels, feet feel when they're not restricted in shoes. And mind you, Dr. E, I have probably at least a hundred pairs of tennis shoes. That's just <laughs> the tennis shoes. Like I'm oh, that person. Boy. Yeah. 
there and yeah it's to the point where I need a bigger closet my fiance says clear out your closet I'm like that was never on the table <laughs> your mouth when you're talking to me <laughs> Jenny, I'm, in, I'm in the process of moving and my wife was so proud she gave away 30 pair of shoes and it didn't oh. even put a dent so I don't know what yeah. it is y'all but uh, that's shoes. a lot of shoes <laughs> yeah right oh my god <laughs> all right so, so. So you said that you're a functional podiatrist and a human movement specialist, Dr. E. Can you tell us about what that means and how did you get into that in your medical career? Yeah, so if any of the listeners have ever been to a podiatrist, you obviously have because you've had foot surgery and foot injuries. Uh, Most people may not have a positive association that they think podiatrists are going to be quick to push you into orthotics and supportive shoes, everything anti-minimal that you were talking about, uh, which is unfortunately a little bit true. It just has to do with the way that we are trained. So as a functional podiatrist, I combined my background in podiatry and fitness, but then I actually went back to school and got a master's in human movement. So I look at and factor in total body movement patterns. I do a gait assessment on every patient. I do a overhead squat, step up, step down. And then I also look at functional medicine. So functional podiatry is functional movement and functional medicine combined to create the most accurate responses in my patients. That's awesome. Is this something that you kind of started or is this a field that was there before? No, so I would say probably put a lot of the initial shaping of that. Um, Eventually I would like to create a functional podiatry association or something like that. Um, But I've been lucky enough to travel travel around the world and podiatry in Australia and the UK and different countries is very different than here in the US. Here in the US, it's very surgical driven that they see a patient, they want to do a surgery on it or they wanna throw them in orthotics. Um, Where in other countries, it is a little bit more functional, but also not to the level of how I integrate it. So I'm trying to build an awareness of this broader functional integrated function of the human foot. That's awesome. It feels like the big bang theory over here. Like we're here at the beginning. For real. Like at some point this is going to be big because I absolutely think that's amazing what you're doing is getting away from the surgery. Not everybody needs to be cut open. When you when you're cut open, like your body changes. It's never ever going to be the same. So if we can avoid that at all costs, like we'll talk about some of the products with uh, some of the technology that you guys have come up with to help people. And I'm so excited to share that. But yeah, I think it's amazing what you're doing. That's awesome. Thanks. So, uh, Dr. E, can you expand a little bit more on what, quote unquote, barefoot science is and how it relates to posture alignment and human movement? Yeah, so I'm going to start by speaking about the foot from a sensory perspective. And when I teach courses and lecture at conferences, I speak about the foot in two main ways. The way that most people are familiar with is the biomechanical way which means you have a high arch, a low arch, pronation, supination, dorsiflexion of the ankle. These are very mechanical based ways of thinking about the foot and the body, um, which are great, but there's this other side, which is sensory based. And when I say sensory, I want the listeners to think about the skin in the bottom of the foot, but also the fascia and the myofascial web that runs from all of the muscles in the bottom of the foot through the lower leg into the hamstrings, lower back. These are your anatomy trains lines that some of the the listeners might be familiar with, but this 
sensory side of the foot is actually much more influential on how we control our movement. And that is based off of sensory information in shapes motor output out or motor output, right? So sensory in, motor out. What has to happen first to control the movement is all the sensory information has to come in, right? That's proprioceptors in the ankle, that's stimulating the bottom of the foot. So having said that, there was this minimal shoe barefoot running boom that happened 2008, 9, 10, like that was kind of the peak of it. And then it still is obviously continuing, but this was the day of the five fingers, the Vibram five fingers. I'm sure that you both remember those. Oh yeah, uh, it still has a pair of those. <laughs> yeah, actually I love them. They were one of the major players in the space as well as Nike. So Nike free, both of them were kind of leading this this way. Yeah. and. What it was built around is barefoot running, which was minimal shoe-based running, not actually barefoot at all, was a mid-foot strike pattern. So it was trying to change the way people thought about movement patterns with the foot and foot-to-ground contact and that relationship. So that's what we're kind of barefoot running eventually led to barefoot training, which is when my company came in and I started shaping education around barefoot training. To be barefoot doesn't mean you have to be a runner because that excludes massive amounts of the population because they might not run, but they could train barefoot. They could think about the surfaces they stand on. They could think about the shoes they wear at work. They can do foot recovery at home. They can be barefoot outside. So it started expanding so much further into kind of barefoot science benefits as part of your lifestyle versus barefoot running. And that's where it ends. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cause I think you're absolutely right. A lot of people think of barefoot and they think barefoot running. And mm -hmm. to your point, not everybody runs, myself included. I don't even run when being chased. I don't want to die tired. Okay. So, <laughs> but I, I think that's the best that's, way to die. No. Everything expended. You're absolutely not. not. <laughs> I need a little of the take when I go. <laughs> but I love that what you're saying as far as like you can train, you can you like do your chores, walk around your house. Like there's all kinds of things that you can do barefoot and still have this benefit. So I have a question for you though. And this is kind of a, a question that I really want to know the answer to. Like if somebody isn't barefoot all the time, say they go and they want to work out in regular shoes, but then they come home and take their shoes off. Are they still going to see benefits if they're part-time part um, taking advantage of this barefoot science? Yeah. Yeah. So I recommend that people get at least 30 minutes of barefoot stimulation every day. And that could be walking around their home. But I want to add on to that and say, I need you at least two to three times a week doing focused foot strengthening, whether it's a Pilates class, it's yogas, you do kettlebells barefoot. And that in addition is going to add in some additional foot strengthening and foot functional benefit if they do spend a majority of their day shod or in shoes. Absolutely. Okay. So, so on the, on the proprioceptive part of it, I, I, again, I'm going to throw in some personal questions here because I am mm -hmm. fascinated with this. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I took a course, David, I think is his name. You probably know him in Australia that probably learned from you. I'm trying to think of his last name, but he's a circuit lecturer. And we did like an obstacle course with the, I call them spike strips, but these little spiky things. And then we went into small rocks and big rocks and et cetera. And we all you know, did it barefoot. 
And I brought some of those home with me. He gave me some. We still use them. My wife and I like to, to stand on them before we go to bed and after we get up in the morning. Uh, they're really cool to lay on too before you go to sleep. So can you just talk just a little bit about the proprioceptive properties of the, of the foot and how that type of you know, uh, application may or may not be beneficial? Yeah, I will take this to uh, a more expanded concept for the listeners is that there is proprioception that a lot of us use and say, and right, you were just kind of describing that. There is actually another type of neurofeedback that we're going to call mechanoception. So your proprioception and mechanoception. Mechanoception is a little bit different. You can think of mechanoception as uh, tactile. So the hands and the feet, those, this, the nerves on this skin are mechanoceptors and they are sensitive to texture, skin stretch and vibration. Those are the primary feedback that it's sensitive to. So when you, whereas, let me actually go back one, whereas being on a wobble board, mm. as an example, yeah. you're standing on something unstable and your ankle is going like this, right? So every time the ankle moves side to side, you are essentially stretching the joint capsule and the tendons and the ligaments that surround the joint, which are proprioceptors, slightly different, right? Mechanoception, bottom foot, joint proprioception together they but they work together right everything is very deeply integrated in the human body so on certain surfaces like the um spiky mat that you were saying or the nebosa yeah. mat that we have or vibration platforms that's actually mechanoception i like to combine that with proprioception by having let's say a naboso mat. So it's textured on a wobble board. So we're actually stimulating both at the same time. Um, so that's actually taking that terminology and making it a little bit more broken down or finessed. Uh, and that's really where I hope the industry starts to go is you know taking something like BOSU, wobble boards, like all of those that is just uh, all classified as proprioceptive. And let's actually dial it up a notch or finesse it and make it um, even more specific. Wow. I love it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So the people out there who like, I'm visualizing this when you're talking about it, what is the benefit of doing something like this? Like what is my body going to get out of challenging the mechanoreception and the proprioception? So your goal is either performance or injury. <laughs> that's, that's what people care about. Do you want to perform better or do you not want to get hurt? Right. So everything about the human body, when I do my lectures and teach or speak to a patient even is based off of timing. That's really at the end of the day is how fast are you stabilizing? How quickly are the muscles engaging? How quickly is the signal getting to the brain and a response being returned? So that, that aspect of timing is how I think about the human body feet and then human performance or injury prevention, right? So when I think about mechanoception and proprioception, I care about which one is going to be faster, which one sends the signal faster to the nervous system. And it's actually mechanoception. And there's research studies showing this, that the nerves in the bottom of the feet process the signal faster than in the muscle tendon, right? So if you could bring in more plantar foot stimulation, whether it's Noboso insoles, it's wearing minimal shoes, 
being barefoot, you're accessing those nerves in a different way than say a basketball player in a cushioned shoe that is trying to not sprain their ankle. They're much more reliant on proprioception than mechanoception. Welcome back to another ISSA Rapid Review. Dale McCabe had this to say about our ISSA Strength and Conditioning Certification. I was very happy to be able to use the online format. It made things easier for me to skip around and locate specific things I was looking for. Loved it. Thanks, Dale. Yeah, we're both kind of pausing speechless. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always like, especially in volleyball or sports where you have to move laterally and stuff. I look at these kids that show up to my sports conditioning or even my college athletes. I'm like, two of them today were wearing like vans. The rest of them, one of them was wearing slippers with no back. I was like, oh my gosh, like your footwear matters, but it doesn't mean you have to have like the biggest, thickest footwear. And I feel like basketball shoes are getting thicker and thicker and thicker on the bottom with these air pockets. And then the two seventies with the big bubble, that's like an inch thick. Like you, I don't do anything but look cute in those. Like you can't do anything. I can't even trade upper body in those because you're going to fall over, right? But yeah, when your body's more concerned about not rolling your ankle, right? And being stable in this giant shoe that you've put it in, you're mm -hmm. less concerned about that neural input and the other things that matter. So it, it makes sense to me. So hopefully people out here understand that these are huge benefits for mm -hmm. barefoot training. Now we'll get to the products that Nabosco, um, Naboso has and they're phenomenal products. Um, we'll give you guys the website to check it out. But the toe spacers, talk to me about the toe spacers. How is that different or is it different? I'm pretty obsessed with toe spacers, <laughs> which for any of the listeners who are oh, like, what is got it right there. this is it. <laughs> yes, these always sit on my desk. Technically, they should be on my feet also. But <laughs> so the, the toe spacers, what they do is you would put them on your foot. So they would sit in between each digit creating space. Now, of course, you could say, oh, if you have hammer toes, use them or bunion. Sure, that's an easy, that's like a literal face value of how you should be using a product. I like to take everything much deeper and more kind of non-Googleable as far as the benefits of it. Right. So our plantar fascia, which is the thick band of tissue on the bottom of the foot, which starts in the heel and then comes across the arch and it inserts into the base of each digit. So people might not know your plantar fascia actually runs all the way into your toes. So when you spread your toes with a toe spacer, as an example, you're technically stretching the plantar fascia because it extends all the way into the digits. And there's a, a ligament that runs across the front of your foot that you stretch also when you use toe spacers. And that's part of your plantar fascia as well. So this plantar fascial stretch is beneficial for people who are on their feet a lot. I know so many trainers who are on your feet because you're training clients, right? Um, any other type of career, people who have a history of arch pain, plantar fasciitis, um, overpronation or flat feet. So it's beneficial to a lot of people outside of just hammer toes and bunions. Um, outside of that, for athletes, let's say, I'm very much into optimizing what's called the lever. And what the lever of the foot is, is if you did a calf raise, even if you're sitting in a chair listening to this and you just do a calf raise with sitting, you're like, okay, that position that your foot is in when you do a calf raise or a heel raise is called a lever. It's a rigid lever. Mm -hmm. And that is the most important position that the human foot can achieve. So I need that position to be stable. I need the digits long, straight and flat into the ground because it's a lever, it's physics, 
right? The longer the lever arm, the more torque you can create, and then you have more power at push-off. And there's some research studies showing the greater the toe flexor strength, so long, straight, flat digits pushing down, faster acceleration, higher vertical jump. So I am all about four-foot digit lever stability and really alignment in, in my patients, but specifically for athletes as well. Nice. Oh, so, so the ankle is a second class lever, right? The ankle, yes, but you have your the the forefoot lever across your MPJs. So I want that to be understood as that's a powerful access point. Sure. Similar to the ankle. People get really wrapped up. Got it. So we're not worried about the ankle. It's more in the foot. It's the MPJs. Yeah. Yeah. That's the lever that I'm talking about. So a plantar flexed ankle inverted subtalar joints so the heels tucked under that locks your midfoot and your rear foot so it's stable and then across the mpjs you need to be straight and those digits are long and flat into the ground i love it so if any of what dr e just said you guys is confusing to you look it up like look up the, the actual foot and look at the joints and the spots that she's talking about so for all of you out there who said that you didn't need to know levers and didn't need to know the anatomy of the foot you are Wrong, right? <laughs> so this is why it's important, you guys, because she's explaining beautifully why this technology or why this this idea of barefoot science works, right? And how it's accessing the body. Because it's not only important for us to know as trainers, but if you ask a client to do this or you recommend it for a client, you have to be able to explain to them in a simplified way why it works, <laughs> right? So understand it. It's you're doing an amazing job of explaining this, Doctor. It's phenomenal. Awesome. And just if I can add minimal footwear. So the other reason why I love minimal footwear, especially for training. Mm -hmm. So when you're training the client, that is your opportunity to get them in a more functionally optimal footwear, which is more minimal, right? Is this toe spray, the toe box is really wide or it's wider, it's natural in minimal shoes. So yes, there's no drop, no cushion, but you have this wide toe box that allows you could wear toe spacers on your foot in the shoe, but it's also supporting the spread and the splay and that lever position. So you get a more optimal lever in minimal footwear than in um, any other traditional footwear. Ah, see, and I did notice that because like I said, I have three pair now. I'm obsessed. Um, I have three pair of them. I always noticed that the toe box was wider. I also have very large feet. I'm six feet tall and they were a women's size 12. So I buy men's and they always come with a wider toe box anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons, because I want more space for my foot. Yep. So that's because my three surgeries, I'm telling you, my feet are locked in place. <laughs> All kinds of screws down there, girl. <laughs> that, that connects a lot of dots for yeah. me too, Dr. E, because uh, I'm uh, an ultra triathlete, ultra runner guy. Um, and I, when I try, because of reading some of what you're speaking to, I transitioned over to ultra for my shoes. So with a yep. real big wide toe box. Uh, I had already been using vibrant five fingers and minimalist shoes, but when I transitioned to that and toe, uh, in Gigi toe socks, which would create that splay you're talking to, it was a game changer for me when it came to foot pain and blisters. Uh, huge. But it, it, and it was reading a book a friend of mine wrote called Fixing Your Feet that introduced me to that concept and it made a huge difference. Awesome. I'd love to hear it. 
Yeah. Well, I have a question though. So if a trainer out there wants to talk to someone about, you know, changing their footwear going to something a little bit more minimalist and explaining why, do you think that they should go see someone like yourself, a podiatrist before they actually, you know, go out and buy, go online and buy some, you know, minimalist shoes, or is it a recommendation that they should or could take from a trainer? What are your suggestions around that, making that referral or that recommendation? Yeah. So I actually train a lot of trainers and that's part of what I do through EBFA Global is to train the trainer to be empowered to speak appropriately to the clients on the indication for minimal shoes. That sounds okay. Like that. <laughs> um, but what it just means is so they're using keywords. They know how to do a foot assessment. So just because I'm saying I'm an advocate for minimal shoes, I want a majority of people in minimal shoes, especially when they're training. There is this 1% outlier over here that really shouldn't because of their injury history, or they have a little bit more extreme foot type. Mm -hmm. I go into that in my trainings on how to do a simple foot assessment to start to gauge where on the scale are your client's feet? Are they over here in this over pronation side? Are they over supinated? Are they flexible? Are they rigid? So you're starting to have a little bit of a guidance and then an understanding of what each of those mean or whatever your assessment might mean, right? Sure. So that could be a way to start. Um, I also have a book that I wrote that's called Barefoot Strong. And it is for the trainer, but also for the patient or the consumer, the client um, that can help them to start to just understand feet as a baseline. Uh, and it links to a website called barefootstrong.com where I teach people how to do a foot assessment so they can assess themselves or the trainer could do it as well, right? Um, and that's where I would start. If they go to a podiatrist to get a foot assessment, not that I'm not in my profession, but it's most likely they're going to be pushed into this more orthotic supportive shoe. You have flat feet, don't do X, Y, or Z. Um, of course, they can come see me and I do virtual consultations. So that is an option. But if they don't want to do that, that's where I would start. Gotcha. So you mentioned the certification. Give us that website real quick. Where can they find the Barefoot Training Specialist certification if they're interested? EBFAglobal.com. EBFAglobal.com. Awesome. So if you guys are interested in that certification, I definitely recommend checking it out. We'll put the link in the, the description of this uh, podcast as well. Um, so speaking of other things that you have your hand in, tell us about Naboso, Naboso Technology. Um, what, what is this company and what kind of products do they have that can help someone with their feet? Absolutely. So I started Naboso, which is a product line or a company that develops a product line that is based off of textured science. So all of our products have texture across them. Um, this is one example, but you can see the texture. There's little pyramids across the entire surface. This is one of our sensory sticks, which is a two pound weight. Um, but all of those products have these little pyramids that are designed to stimulate the nerves in the bottom of the feet. So they are mechanoceptive, Dan. <laughs> They're mechanoceptive products that are stimulating the touch nerves in the bottom of the feet and the palm of the hand. So we have insoles, socks. So our socks have the same texture inside. So inside the sock, you'll have the texture. We have release tools. We have a ball. We have two pound sticks. We have mats. We have flooring. So everything is designed to help the client, trainer, 
patient, whoever it is, the human being, to feel their feet better or more so that I can help them get better movement output. Nice. Very cool. So wow. insoles, socks, mats, balls, and the sticks. So the sticks can be used in your hands or on your feet? Nope, in your hands. So there's there's two of them that they come with. They're great. They're they're weighted. So these are two pound sticks. And this is allowing us to activate proprioception with mechanoception because resistance weight, when you hold ah. something heavy, you pull on your joint capsules, which is proprioceptive, mm -hmm. stimulating the hand mechanoceptive. So we use this a lot with athletes, movement prep, fall reduction, rehab, children, Pilates, very, very vast in the application with all of the Naboso products. Very cool. And so it's Naboso, N-A-B-O-S-O.com, right? Where they can yep. find our products. Yep. Perfect. Perfect. Now I do remember seeing the different types of insoles too. So this is again, more personal question, but I'm sure somebody else wants to know. There's activation insoles. I remember seeing a neuro insole. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's a performance insole. Tell us about the different insoles and how, how you guys came up with those. Yeah. When you go to the website, you'll see that there's, I'll do it based off of color. So it'll be easier to remember. We have red, blue, gray, green. Okay. The red, which is the performance is the lowest level of stimulation. And then as it goes up, blue's a little bit more stimulating, gray's a little bit more stimulating. The green is our most stimulating insole. So people can dial it up a little bit if they are uh, minimal uh, friendly. So if they've been wearing vivos for years, most of those people typically go to our green because they're just used to connecting to their foot. Someone who is a little bit more timid, uh, more sensitive feet, we start them lower and then you can graduate up. Awesome. awesome. So Dr. E, for the listeners out there that want to follow you, so you talked about your website, certification website, product website, what's the best way for them to learn more from you, hear what's coming out, hear what's coming next, et cetera? In today's day and age, probably Instagram. I'm looking for you right now. All right. Yeah. Which is DR Emily DPM. So that's my Instagram, DR Emily DPM. Uh, it's very educational based. So I put out video and content. It is really designed to help teach people about their feet and how it's integrated with the rest of the body. Obviously you'll get updates on courses and stuff like that. Um, EBFA has an Instagram, EBFA underscore barefoot education. And then Naboso has an Instagram. Otherwise I would say go to the website, ebfaglobal.com uh, and then naboso.com. Awesome. Now I have one last question for you. You did mention that you like to go a little bit deeper into the science, something that you can't necessarily Google. And I love that because Google great resource, but with the accessibility of technology and like, there's a lot out there that is not awesome. Do you have any links or any research that you really like that talks about barefoot science that you've been a part of whatever that we can actually share with our members in the description today? Is there anything that we can tell them that we'll link for them? Yeah. So what I would say is probably going to my blog, okay. which is barefootstrongblog.com. Awesome. We'll and then, then I will link out through different articles to various research studies. Um, and then honestly, YouTube, I feel is one of the best platforms. I have over 200 videos on the EBFA YouTube and they're free educational webinars. So I, I 
give plenty of free education to get people to start to appreciate the food, to create this curiosity. And then once they dive down that rabbit hole, I try, I have, it's like Pandora's box. It just doesn't end. <laughs> right. Awesome, guys. So she mentioned the blog, the EBFA YouTube. We will link both of those in the description as well. So you guys can easily find them and take advantage of these resources. So cool. Really interesting. Really interesting. I always thought I, always thought I was dead in the water with my little sad feet. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. If There's I, if there is someone that has like, I've had three surgeries, all of this, I say, start with sensory, right? Yeah. Stimulate the bottom of the foot, just roll it on the neural ball, things like that to just start to wake up that connection. And then I never push clients in that direction. I want them to feel it intuitively themselves. So doing the releasing and have them be like, you know what? I actually feel better when I do that. Okay. Let me go to the next layer, then the next layer. And then they become my full believer versus they're forced to do something. Which absolutely. Like. And I can absolutely second that you guys, when I got my first pair of, I wear Vivo barefoots. Um, and when I got my first pair of them and started wearing them around the house, I was nervous because of my foot surgeries and my past with my feet. And I was like, these things are amazing. They're so comfortable. People think you can feel every rock and nook and cranny on the ground. No, you can feel a little bit more because there's less padding, but I'm actually obsessed with them to the point where I wear them, I'd say five out of seven days a week. Um, now, and I don't think twice about it, but that's my first go-to shoe out of the hundreds of tennis shoes that I have in my closet. So that's, that's a good thing. That's big volumes. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. E. Fabulous information. Thank you for sharing it all. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. Dan, any last words for our listeners today? Keeping it simple. Happy feet. Happy feet. <laughs> Happy feet. I say, hey, try it. Try it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by this technology and the way that it works and the way it can improve your body you guys so i definitely recommend if you have not tried it or looked into it learn more and maybe give it a try um, lots of good tools out there thank you so much again dr e thank you all right guys well with that we leave you and as always we let you know make good choices we'll be talking to you soon Woo!